Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church this morning. Merry Christmas uh, to you. It's great to have you with us, particularly if you're visiting, as Justin's already mentioned, but also just to be gathering together like this to kind of kick off the day, uh, hearing from God's words, singing God's praise uh, as we gather this morning. Um, if you're visiting, we're just kind of in the middle of a little four-week series called Crown Him, and we're looking at some pretty major passages in the New Testament about Jesus, and we're going to continue that uh, this morning. So we're going to read from Philippians chapter 2, from verse 5 to 11. You might like to turn that up to that in your phone or in your Bible, or you can just follow along on the screen. It'll be there for you. The next slide. Thanks, Simeon. Philippians 2, and reading from verse 5 to 11. We're going to read this, then we're going to pray, and we're just going to have a uh, spend some time thinking about what is said here. Philippians 2 verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours, in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now just for you kids, young ones among us, uh, after the gathering, I'm going to be at the front there and have my normal annual Christmas lolly basket. If you can tell me one thing that we learn about Jesus today, that will be your key to a nice lolly. Okay? So listen up. Let me pray. Father, thanks so much that we can come this morning and gather like this and start the day focusing on the reality and the centrality of your son this Christmas. We pray that you would help us to do that now as we look at your word together and as we sing again uh, some carols uh, as we conclude our time a little later as well. Please be with us by your spirit. Teach us, open our eyes, help us to see wonderful things in your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've already said it, but well, Merry, Merry Christmas, everybody. Well done on successfully getting to today, right? It's a significant achievement. Uh, You have now, no doubt, navigated many things uh, in order to do so, not least, probably, for some of us, at least, the crowds, Uh, the crowds of people. Maybe you've been to Carousel or Garden City or somewhere like that, and it's been shoulder-to-shoulder, people everywhere, car park signs with that one word, full, written on it, long lines to wait in just to pay for something that you've selected. You spend more time actually waiting to pay for it than you did trying to find it. Um, Navigating just the crowds alone can be a significant challenge at Christmas time. And that, friends, is if you're an adult. What about if you're a kid? Crowds can be frightening if you're a kid, right? One of the worst things that can happen to you if you're a kid in a large crowd is goes something like this. You're walking along, there are legs everywhere. 
That's all you can see is legs, legs and more legs. And so in a spirit of fear, you reach up to take hold of someone's hand who you think is your mum or your dad, only to discover that the hand you have just reached for and taken hold of is someone you don't know. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me many times. It's a frightening experience. It hasn't happened to me for quite a while, but I do remember it happening. It was so traumatic. I actually saw it happen last Sunday here at Carol's just over there. The little kid was kind of working his way back and went like that and went, oh. All of a sudden, I had a bit of a chuckle. I know I shouldn't have, but I did have a bit of a chuckle. It's quite funny. Well, the point is this. Your perception of who someone is really matters. Your perception of who someone actually is really matters. Why? Well, because it will have a direct impact on your response to them or not. Who you perceive someone to be really matters because it will have a direct impact on how you respond to them or not. And as we come to Christmas morning today, this is definitely true for each one of us. How we perceive this morning, at the start of this day, the one who was born 2,000 years ago really matters for the same reason, because it will shape our response to him or not today and beyond. And the reading that we just had is actually really helpful in terms of kind of getting some clarity about our perception of Jesus, of what he's like, of what he's done, and therefore how, how we might respond to him this Christmas. It shows us three really awesome things about him as we celebrate his birth today. And as we look at each one of those just really briefly, I want, us to also, I want to show you three ways that you can respond to him in light of those three things. And they're not rocket science. They're pretty straightforward, actually, in the passage. But here they are. Here's the first of them. Jesus is the king who serves. He's the king who serves, which is kind of unlike uh, most kings that you might think of. Verse 6, 5 and 6 says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made emptied himself or made himself nothing by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Now notice that the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to the Philippians is making it very clear that Jesus is actually God himself. Or as he puts it, verse 6, though he was in the form of God. Another translation puts it this way, though he was in very nature, that is his being, though he was in very nature God. But notice verse 6 or the second half of verse 6, And verse 7, though he is in the form of God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing or emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. We are told that though he is God, he didn't grasp hold of that and and to the sense that he wouldn't let it go. He laid it aside and emptied himself or humbled himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So do you see what we have here? He is almighty God, the one who is to be adored and served by all he has made, who alone is loved and adored and exalted by myriads and myriads of angelic beings, 
literally, literally described as 10,000 times 10,000. You can do the maths on that. I actually think you're not meant to. I think you're just meant to go, oh my goodness, that's a big number. That's a lot of angels. Yet we're told he empties himself and takes the form of a servant. You see the deliberate use of language that Paul uses. He was in the form of God, but he takes the form of a servant. In very nature God, but he becomes a servant. In what way? By being born in the likeness of men. By being born to Mary. He comes to serve. He's the king who serves. It's the first big thing for us this morning. The carol puts it this way. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? The question's being asked, right? What child is this whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping... This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, to worship him, the babe, the son of Mary. This is the King who serves. How should we respond to him? Well, I think with astonishment and awe. Astonishment that the God of heaven would humble himself in this way. Sense of awe that the God of heaven would humble himself for our good and for his glory. Secondly, he's the king who saves. Have a look at verse 8. Paul goes on to say, And being found in appearance as a man, or being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Notice, friends, this again is what Jesus is choosing to do. No one is doing it to him. No one is holding a gun at his head. He is the one who is himself. And in that we are told he becomes obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, we might not immediately see what's being said here at first glance, but what's obvious is this. What he is doing is purposeful. It's purposeful. He is, he is obedient to something, which, sorry, he's obedient, which means he is being obedient to something. You don't be obedient to nothing, right? He's being obedient to something. What is that something? Well, it's God's plan to save us who have turned our backs on him. It's a plan, get this, that Jesus was central in forming with God the Father and the Spirit and the Son together, 
forming this plan and now he is central to fulfilling this plan, bringing it to pass, bringing it into reality. As he is obedient to this plan, which involves his death and even death on a cross. The, the word that we want to emphasize there is the word even. Right? We've already gone that he would humble himself, that the God of heaven would humble himself and be born and in a, as a baby in danger. Now the apostle's saying he, 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 in doing so he's become obedient to this plan which involves his death. And then he says, even, even death on a cross, which is the kind of shocking part of it. Right? Roman crucifixion was regarded as one of the most brutal forms of capital punishment that any uh, group, nationality in history has ever come up with. This death was so loathsome that it was reserved for the worst of criminals. Yet there, Jesus, who is truly God, would be put to death for us. There he would be condemned, viewed as an enemy of the people and as a blasphemer against God. He became obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Why? Because he's the king who saves. Again, the carol puts it well. Why lies he in such mean a state? Good question, right? The king of heaven. Why lies he in such mean a state? where ox and ass are feeding, or lambs, as the modern translation has done it. I think we're going to sing it slightly off different. Why? Good Christians fear for sinners here. The silent word is pleading. Nails, spear, shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me and for you. Hail, hail, the Word made flesh, the babe, the Son of Mary. He's the King who saves. And lastly, what we see in our reading is this. He is the King who reigns. The King who reigns. Look at verse 8. Therefore, sorry, verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God has given him the name that is above every name. God has raised Jesus from death. God has highly exalted him. The word highly here is the word hyper, which we use quite often in our language today. God has hyper exalted him. And in doing so, he has vindicated Jesus as the son of God. He has honored Jesus for all to see. And he has done so by giving him the highest name, the highest place of honor in the whole cosmos. Did you notice that? In heaven and on earth. And under, under the earth, there is no place anywhere 
at all where Jesus isn't given the highest name. And notice again, Jesus is revealed and seen to be in very nature God, God the Son. Though God's plan had the cross at the centre of it, it had the crown at its crescendo. He is the king who serves, taking the form of a servant. He is the king who saves, who was obedient to death, even death on a cross. And finally, he is the king who reigns, highly exalted name above all names. To be worshipped and adored and loved and revered by all. Which is exactly what God intends. God gives us a very clear picture of what his desire for our response is to this Jesus. Did you see it there in verse 10? So that, in order that, right, why, what is God's intent with all of this? In order that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he, Jesus Christ, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Remember, friends, how we perceive someone directly shapes and impacts our response to them. The king who serves, come from heaven, born as a baby. The king who saves, obedient to death, even death on a cross. And now the king exalted. As you see him, God calls you to bow your knee to him and confess him, not only who he is, but confess your need of who he is. To bow the knee is to honour, to revere, and to worship his great name. To confess is to put your faith in him, to confess him as he is, Jesus Christ, God's Messiah, the one who saves. And not just to kind of confess with some kind of allegiance that, oh, that's who he is. No, confess with dependent trust. That's who I need. It's quite different. This is what God is calling us to today, this morning. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, that we might give God the glory this Christmas day. He's the king who reigns, and again, listen to the carol. So, so bring him incense, gold and myrrh, come peasant or king to own him, the King of kings, salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Raise, raise the song on high. The virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy, for Christ is born. The babe, the son of Mary. Friends, what a great way to start your Christmas, your Christmas day today. That's our hope and prayer that you've seen something of the beauty and the glory of Jesus this morning, just in these few minutes.
together. And that having done so, your response to him today will be that bit more clear, that bit more heartfelt, that bit more joyful and hopeful and glad. Will you bow your knee to him in worship today? Will you confess his name in dependent trust on him today as you head off into whatever it is you have on your schedule for the rest of today? For he is the king who serves and saves and runs. Amen. I think we're going to sing that carol that we've just walked our way through and maybe one more too. One that you have to, that you can't not sing. Otherwise, it's not Christmas. <laughs>